0: Well, this one's from the business section of the Times, Pete, and I thought uh, you, with your economic chops, you might uh, be interested in this guy named Robert Prechter, okay? Uh, Plenty of investors are nervous. Some of them were downright bearish. Robert Prechter, a forecaster and social theorist, is in another league entirely. Mr. Prechter is convinced that we have entered a market decline of staggering proportions, perhaps the biggest of the last 300 years, we're talking. We're talking a long time. This Pinger. man is bearish. He is like, you know, Smokey the Bearish. Smokey the Bearish. Okay, here this is a quote. I'm saying winter is coming. Buy a coat. Other people are advising people to stay naked. If I'm wrong, you're not hurt. If they're wrong, you're dead. It's pretty benign advice to opt for safety for a while. Oh, ho. His advice, individual investors should move competitively out of the market, completely out of the market, and hold cash, cash equivalents, treasury bills, that kind of thing, for years to come, years to come. Yep. He he, he says, for, for a rough parallel, go all the way back to England, the collapse of the South Sea bubble in 1720, a crash that deterred people from buying stocks for 100 years. This time, he said, if I'm right, it will be such a shock that people will be telling their grandkids. Many years from now, don't touch stocks. Oh, boy. So what do you think, Pete? What do you think? Economic view is here.
1: Well, uh, there's part of me that agrees with Prechter the bear, mm-hmm. because indeed, I think that we are entering a, a true cataclysmic The situation is economically cataclysmic, but it's also mentally and spiritually cataclysmic. If we find out, indeed, that speculation and greed and all the things that gets caught up in the so-called free market exchange of nothingness uh, is really toxic, we may indeed move ourselves seriously away. I don't really think so, though. People love to gamble. What he doesn't understand is no matter how bad the odds, people still go back to gamble. And most most stock transactions today, unlike traditional transactions, which where, you know, you bought in a company that was producing and you helped it raise money and yet and it yet. Was, and it was a long-term investment. These things were all done, what, at a billionth of a second over supercomputers. So, no, we may be going into a hundred-year decline, but I don't think anybody's going to stop, you know, stop and take notice. Okay, well, all you naked people, you don't have to put on your clothes. Yeah, keep, keep your naked shorts. This is one out of The Gray Lady about science versus the people and the people versus nature or something like it. With oil hitting Barataria Bay, a vast estuary in southeast Louisiana that boasts one of the most productive fisheries in the country, local parish officials hatched a plan in May to save the fragile ecosystem. They would build rock dikes across several major tidal inlets between the Bay and the Gulf of Mexico to block and then capture the oil. Governor Bobby Jindal of Louisiana supported the plan, and BP agreed to pay for the project, estimated to cost $30 million. By early June, about 100000 tons of rock began being loaded onto barges on the Mississippi River for transport to the coast. But over that weekend, the Army Corps of Engineers denied a permit for the project, citing environmental concerns... In particular, the potential for the rock barriers to cause widespread erosion and the breaching of Barataria Bay's existing barrier islands. The ruling echoed the sentiments of independent experts on coastal wetlands who had strongly objected to the plan. Now the rock sits on 75 barges on the Mississippi River with no immediate use like many of the unemployed in the area. As the Gulf oil spill enters its third month, Louisiana officials have grown increasingly enamored of large scale engineering projects like sand berms and rock walls to keep the oil off their coast. But these projects, which demand the swift restructuring of eastern Louisiana's dynamic and fragile coast, have brought the desires of state and local officials into sharp conflict not only with a complicated federal bureaucracy charged with protecting wetlands and estuaries, but also with an experienced and highly vocal community of local coastal scientists in a speech recently in new orleans mr gentle said no one can convince us that rocks in the water are more dangerous than oil now that is populist ignorance sounds good right no well rocks in the water aren't more dangerous than oil dream on that is absolutely ridiculous the only people who believe that are the bureaucrats in washington dc who can't see the oil smell the oil or touch the oil Man's a rabble-rouser and he believes in exorcism. Why doesn't he just exercise the oil out of the Gulf? The scientists insist the rock plan was misguided. There was very strong scientific backing for not doing this, said Denise Reed, a wetland specialist and director of the Pontchartrain Institute for Environmental Sciences in New Orleans. This could really devastate our barrier shoreline, our first line of defense. Having raised their voices in objection, these coastal experts now bristle at the accusation that they are out of touch academics or pencil pushing bureaucrats as state and local officials have charged. It's really offensive, I think, and not fair to call the scientific community bureaucrats, said Dr. Ionas Adguru, a professor of marine engineering at the University of New Orleans. We are being demonized. You don't wait weeks and weeks for studies and federal permits in the middle of a war, replied Mr. Jindal in a speech uh, just before the 4th of July. You do what you need to do as quickly as possible to protect your land and your people. Oh, now it's the war on the oil spill. We've gone to war against another problem in our daily lives. Hey, why not gather up all the rocks on
0: the barges and throw them at the scientists? They're the enemy now, Bobby. Well, Pete, I think we ought to start uh, this news item with a little commercial. Uh, You first. Philly cheesesteak in a can? Sure, when it's packed in a pop-top poacher that melts the cheese whip and toasts the bun in seconds right in front of your face. Ready to eat. Wow, I'll say. The hero of brotherly love, only from Deli Can. Try their tongue in a tube, too. Yeah, well, it's not a real ad, but you know it's a real product. No, come uh-huh. on. Dude. No, uh-huh. I know.
1: Make a toy of me is one thing, but, but what what
0: go ahead. Well, sandwiches, of course. Now, here's a very clever guy. Investors in Utah put 145 million bucks in the hands of a money manager named Travis L. Wright, okay? They're suing this guy he promised returns of up to 24% on real estate investments oh, Travis in Wright
1: sounds like the name that you see on an indictment. That's right. It's a that's, perfect that's indictment right. State name. State of Utah versus, versus Travis. Travis. Oh. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, uh, now he he put the money, he didn't invest in real estate, he put the money into Candwich development and other, as they uh, put it, equally untried ideas. Along with these sales of canned sandwiches, yes, here they are, Candwiches PB&J and BBQ chicken in a can. They were going to do pepperoni pizza pocket and the worst idea in the world: French toast in a can. French <laughs> toast <laughs> in a can. And then what would the heavy French... on
1: the thirty
0: weight, Dave? <laughs> what would the French think? Well, and, they don't think. They you know, just what? drink. Dave, they just you know drink. That. Okay, uh, okay. Mister Wright's companies, under the banner of Waterford Funding, also invested in a company selling rose petals printed with greeting card sentiments. <laughs> Oh, there comes some nice uh, I. Uh, oh, here's another one. Yeah. Love. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, he. Mitt. Today uh, is the first day of... Uh, uh, right. Uh, that's a really great idea. And then another one of his good investments was selling watches over the Internet. Well, as the uh, New York Times puts it, Utah has long endured a reputation as a place where many people are naive or trusting to the point of losing their shirts. Now, Mr. Wright, he's 47. He lives in Draper, Utah. Uh, he why re- do they all have,
1: t- why are the towns in Utah always named like Donkey Dump and Draper and Wetness? And, they, you know, they, they, they're so concise. Go ahead.
0: Well, his phone was unavailable. He was not, of course, uh, available for comment on this story. But, but the Candwich guy really was. The president of Mark 1 Foods... His name is Mark Kirkland. He's the guy that patented the idea of putting solid food in a beverage container with the slogan, quick and tasty, ready to eat. But the, uh, the financing for the canned which never materialized, but he says he believes that canned sandwiches will ultimately sell and Hopes to get into production later this year. And by the way, the much later, I hope the shelf life of a candwich is really excellent. He pointed <laughs> out, so it doesn't matter when he goes into business.
1: This peanut butter and jelly sandwich
0: has been around for years. I think it's Egyptian.
1: The sun rises, it reaches midday, and then it's evening, and then it's midnight. Well, in a sense, it's midnight on Radio Friaz uh, today because we're at the end of the show. Uh, David, give
0: us a little tangulations to carry us through the night. Well, this is from the great Lee Poe, who went high in the mountains but failed to find the wise man. Uh-oh, too bad. In the distance, I can hear a dog barking and the sound of fast water. Rain-filled peach blossoms shower me as I walk. Sometimes, deep in the trees, I glimpse a stag standing by a creek at noon. I can't hear a single bell. Overhead, the wild bamboos divide a cloud-blue sky. A flying spring hangs a white plume from a jade-green peak. He's gone. They don't know where. I lean my grief on two or three pines and walk away.
1: Boy, I wish I had a place to lean my grief. <laughs> Whoa, you've been listening to Radio Free Oz made entirely possible. Grief-free by the Oz team. Peter Bergman, your host. David Osman sitting over there, our co-host. John Cumming, Phil Fountain, Tom Gedwillow, Chaz Glass, Dave Maloney, Bill McIntyre, and Scott Wilde. Love them all. See you tomorrow.